Hi, I'm your guest, Quabin Ajman, with Macrofab's Engineering Podcast. I think it's recording, right? It is recording. There we go. That's the intro. <laughs> and we are your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. There we go. Welcome. Yeah, so um, we have uh, one of our first customers of Macrofab, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, OpenMV. You want to tell us a little bit about yourself, Quabana? Yeah, so OpenMV is a company that's dedicated pretty much to developing a small image sensor board that's programmable that makes computer vision easy for hobbyists and students. And hopefully in the future, we're going to be a supplier of computer vision systems to uh, commercial enterprises. But right now, it's just hobbyists and students. Yeah, and uh, it was a Kickstarter project, right? Yep. It was a Kickstarter project. We raised $100,000. Um, and uh, we sailed into a few uh, icebergs during that time. And you know, we're going <laughs> to talk about those today. Well, actually, real quick, um, can you give a, a quick description of machine, machine vision and maybe some applications of it? Yeah, yeah. So um, the OpenMV cam can be used for a lot of different things um, right now. For example, if you want to track colored balls and objects, it can easily be used for that. And you can actuate motors on with that. Um, we can also do facial recognition, sorry, sorry, facial tracking, not facial recognition just yet. Um, we can connect to the internet with the board. Um, you can also do things like uh, optical flow to detect uh, movement with the camera. And we have motion detection um, through via frame differencing. Finally, you can also take uh, MJPEG videos and GIFs with it. So we typically um, do that first as we kind of jump right into the technical stuff. Mm -hmm. But could you just like explain, um, I've actually a little bit more about yourself, like maybe before OpenMV. Okay. And then actually like how did you get into OpenMV? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm a graduate of Carnegie Mellon University. I got a master's and bachelor's in electrical and computer engineering. Um, back in CMU, I uh, was working on a project called the CMU Cam 4. And during this project, I more or less developed a, uh, a machine vision board that could just do color tracking. It uh, was able to track colors at 160 by 120 at 30 FPS locked. Um, it did that job very well, but it didn't really do anything else. Um, during my time in school, we managed to sell uh, 1,500 units, which was, you know, nice. Oh, very impressive. cool. Yeah. Didn't make any money off it, really, but, um, <laughs> you know, through various uh, licensing deals, I more or less got nothing, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, you know, we, uh, it was a nice project and I really enjoyed it. Computer vision is a fun topic because there's just so many things you can do. There's always some kind of new application around the corner. There's always something new you can implement. It's not like a 1D sensor where, you know, you've implemented maybe three or four functions and that's really all you need. With computer vision, there's just so much stuff you can do and it's so fun to work with. And so the OpenMV cam, um, I got into this project pretty much by, uh, I guess I was bored. Um, in between projects, I wanted something to work on. That's and, typically um, how engineering projects start. Oh yeah, pretty much. I was no, bored, no, that, that, so I uh, hooked up this gas canister to this flame, and that's how we got this flamethrower. <laughs> full businesses start with "I was bored." Yeah, pretty much. Necessity, mother of invention. Anyway, um, yeah. So uh, I went in and found OpenMV online. It was still a uh, a um, a Hackaday project back then, but it was the most starred Hackaday project. That, that made it kind of easy to find, because mm -hmm. when I searched on Hackaday for cool stuff, it was right up there at the top. And I got in touch with uh, Ibrahim, the creator of the OpenMV Cam, and um, we became partners. And uh, 
I've just been running the company now and uh, making sure that's uh, going to market and it's going to be a strong product. So uh, it looks like... Actually, that's kind of an interesting way to get into a project. It's like, usually it's... it's you. I guess, I guess you were, were you looking for a computer vision project that you know get into or was it just like any project to get your fingers um, into no computer vision okay i mean yeah pretty much computer vision i i, I wouldn't have just cho- i mean the intersection of stuff i like to do involves mainly firmware programming and ide development which is what i'm doing on this mm-hmm. and if it didn't have those i wouldn't really be interested because i'm not really i don't have the setup at home to get my hands dirty with doing a lot of hardware work i, I really want to stay more in the software realm um and so this kind of was a nice intersection of exactly what I wanted. Sure. Well, and, and, and the, the hardware kind of existed in its preform uh, when you jumped on board, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, I jumped on board after OpenMV had been already successful via the Kickstarter. So I'm an opportunist. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to join a product that uh, hasn't you know, done anything successful. But you know, there was still a lot of room to grow with OpenMV. And I have, a, I have a clear vision for what we can do in the future to really bring out all the the power of this and potential of this product. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, above and beyond just the hardware, OpenMV has a full IDE that allows you to run a slew of programs on it, right? Yeah, yeah. So the the, the board is programmable. More or less you can load up Python scripts onto it and then it runs those Python scripts. We actually use something called MicroPython, which is more or less a Python 3 interpreter that runs in a microcontroller. Mm-hmm. Um doesn't have a lot of heap space, not a lot of stack, but you can run very simple non-recursive Python programs with a lot of lines of code. You can actually have multiple files, and the machine will actually open up separate files pretty much and interpret those. Um, the, comp- the compilation is actually done before the file runs, so it's quite fast. Um, but yeah, no, we have, now we have an IDE that lets you write code and click a run button, and it'll, your script immediately runs. There's a frame buffer you be able to see the image output and you know, we also have a, a histogram view so you can see the color distributions this is super useful if you want to do color tracking because you can just select an object and it'll tell you exactly what color bounds you need to track to select to uh, keep it in lock so yeah. it's um we got that in place and there's also a whole bunch of other features of the open cam yeah it's actually um we're um, going to be using one of the open cams for the uh, prototype same machine which our, our listeners have uh uh, know about the uh, semi-automatic inspection machine that we're designing at Macrofab. Um, the first prototype is going to use an OpenMV cam. So. Oh wow, that sounds great. I hope the quality isn't too bad. <laughs> in the beginning, there's a lot of work to do on the software and firmware, but we're going to be getting to a point where the product is really solid by the end of the year. Yeah, it's it's um, it's not going to be doing a lot of computation stuff in the first version. Basically, all I needed to do is find a, a fiducial, so it'll be like. A, you know, a copper dot, mm-hmm. and then it'll find the location and then compute the offset between the center of the camera and and that dot. And then that's basically all the computer vision is going to be doing. Oh, yeah. So we have the ability to do that through something called templates. Okay. Uh, basically, a template matching, you give the OpenMV cam a picture of what you want it to find, and then it'll search the image and find the exact position where that picture is. You have written all my code for me. <laughs> yep. See, see, I, I, in my opinion, I think this is where the, the magic secret sauce lies, is in the fact that you, you buy one of these OpenMV devices. It's not like a single unit that just does its one task. You can uh, specify it to do whatever you need it to do in your application, in your machine. Oh yeah, and that's the whole. That's the beauty of it. Also, it's open source, so you know if our firmware does have bugs, you can help fix it. 
which it will, but <laughs> you can also, now fix it. <laughs> um, you can also edit the code. Like it's very easy to add new functionality. If you want a feature that we don't have, you can write it in C and get it on there. I, if you I, want to share it, that'd be great too. I, I really want that to become the slogan for open source software. If there's a bug, you can fix it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's super powerful. It's, you know what? It's, it's, Ding! That's the uh, title of this. this yeah, you uh, could you could fix it. <laughs> it's terrible when you're doing software development and you're using some closed library, and you know, oh wow, there's an obvious problem here. Hmm, oh. Can I do anything to fix it? No, I can work around it. Okay, let yeah. me spend uh, five weeks just designing every conceivable workaround. I finally found one of them that doesn't fail in every. X user case scenario, yay! Yep. Yeah. Versus, oh, I just I, I see what the bug is. I'll just go fix that one line. I'm done. You yeah. Know? It's it's beautiful. The, this just popped into <laughs> mind. It's perfect. The we need to update the logo for open source where it's just it, it follows around the circle of the gear looking logo and yeah. it says you can fix it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. All right, a little back on track is um so. OpenMV was a Kickstarter project. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it definitely did have some problems. Oh, yeah. Than, than the initial manufacturing that so, uh, that we did at Macrofab. Mm -hmm. And it actually made the uh, the OpenMV Kickstarter made the Hackaday Fail the Week um, for having BGA problems. They actually had a really in-depth article about BGA reflow problems, basically, in that article. Yep. So the problem came from, we used this thing called the, the OV2640. It was the old um, Omnivision camera. And uh, it was created back in 2006. And so it's 2016 or to, well, 2015 we were building this. So it's very old yep. by the time. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, the performance, it had uh, the ability to take JPEG images. It had a JPEG compressor in hardware on the chip. And this was huge because um, we have to do J JPEG compression and software on the camera. And this really takes a lot of clock cycles. So when, it was, when we had JPEG compression on the chip, on the camera chip itself, this really helped out our ability to take huge images, like 1,600 by, by 1,200 pixels. Mm. Now, um, the problem with this old chip, though, was uh, apparently they were actually sourced by desoldering the camera from old camera modules desoldering the camera IC from old cameras and then packaging them up to look new and then selling them to poor saps like us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we actually we we actually contacted the company. Um, I can't remember the company's name. Omnivision? Omnivision, yeah. We contacted them trying to get these chips from them and they're like, don't use that. It's, out, it's obsolete. And we're like, well, how do we get these cameras? And then we finally found the source on, I think it was Alibaba. Something yeah, like that. AliExpress. AliExpress. And yeah, they were secondhand. Yeah, but you didn't think they would be unoperational. But that's the reality is when you buy these cameras like that, you don't have um, quality um, assurance there. And, and, and the problem was we prototyped with this camera and we developed a lot of things around it. So we wanted to use it and we had all this momentum behind it. And, you know, it, it, when we tried to go to manufacturing with it, it just, it just failed us terribly. Um, in particular, the, the, the problem was the BGA connections on the bottom of the camera wouldn't solder. You yeah. had uh, the, the, the leads were basically useless. They, yeah. they were such poor quality that you get this thing called a head and pillow effect where the, uh, the solder wouldn't actually touch the ball. It would, it would form around it, but you'd have a layer of silicon dioxide that would yep. be in between, and that would just uh, prevent any electrical communication. So it would look like it's soldered. Be, it'd, be, it'd have a physical connection like it's solder, but no electrical connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, they were um, 
they had a corrosion on the uh, monoxide layer on the on the on the uh, tin balls mm-hmm. on the BGA. We actually even tried reballing a whole bunch. And actually, we, we tried a significant amount of things. We tried cleaning the balls. We tried um, some some chemicals uh, on the balls to remove any oxide layers. We went uh, full on reballing. Uh, the best th- this is the thing about the reballing is uh, uh, Stephen actually reballed like what eighteen. Uh, 15, units, 15 15 units and got 14 to work yeah and we're like bam we got it yeah this and is so it the, yeah we got I, it. And, and i did them all by hand all by hand and then we shipped them all shipped up a batch off to a company that does professional bga reballing and none of them worked when they came back <laughs> yeah. oh my god yeah <laughs> and we're like what did we do wrong and, and we paid five dollars a chip to do that yeah, yeah to do that i mean the chip was dollar when we bought it so it's you know we're yeah. this is we're just burning money at this point yep we just might as well light it on fire but <laughs> um but yeah eventually we just y'all just picked a different sensor yeah yeah it's amazing we just picked a different sensor we picked the ov7725 and all the problems went away everything yeah. worked well, and that's it that's uh that's in production today yeah it's in production today is the ov7725 it doesn't have right. the jpeg compression on board but other than that the image quality is far superior it, mm-hmm. you know it has a really good um the pixels on on the camera are very big so it can see really well in the dark and this mm-hmm. translates to a really high quality sh- and sharp image on the camera it looks beautiful not washed out or anything. Yeah, the uh, first panel of those of the new the new sensor open MV boards. Every single one of them worked, and it was one of those like relevate uh, 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 relevation moments. Yeah, <laughs> it was just yeah no. I mean, because we had the, I mean it was like just open MV back in uh, 2015 into December. It was just like okay, we got uh, everything's not working. This is bad. This is bad. <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> This is bad. Just yeah. every new the news every day was it didn't work. We tried this, it didn't work. We tried this, it didn't work. We we tried a lot of things. things. Now, my favorite was all the comments on this Hackaday article. It's clear like none of these like most of these people have no experience in like you know manufacturing volume stuff. A lot of their stuff would work if you're building one. Yeah. Which is probably why like the first couple prototypes for OpenAV they worked. Because they were, I think it was like, y'all reflowed the IC until it worked. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But you can't do that. In, in, when in, we're talking in, about a quantity of 1,500. You can't do that. No, that's not going to work. And Just you, keep it in the oven until it burns. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, it, and, and we tried a whole slew of things. The, the, the package on the old BGAs had a, uh, it's, it's a glass-like uh, top. And, you know, putting enough heat on it would actually cause it to fracture. Yep. Uh, so, you know, just hammering it with heat's not going to get you anywhere. No, I'm, my, there were two comments that were my favorite. One was to use sandpaper on the oh, balls. sand those balls. Yeah, yeah sand, sand the balls. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that would get rid of the oxygen. Sure, but you would also create tons of static electricity that immediately fry that chip. Also, that's like, an incredibly skill-based thing to... to to sand all the balls like a mill off a, a mill and keep it flat, flat so that it no it's just no you got to put that on your resume ball sander ball sander <laughs> ball sander <laughs> I've reballed over fifteen open MV BGAs <laughs> and the uh, the second one was to put a more aggressive flux on it sure that makes sense because it will eat the oxide layer but the fact is the problem with this uh, that that would work on like a QFN or a normal BGA 
it wouldn't work on this camera sensor because the camera sensor is an open environment. Mm -hmm. That sensor is exposed to the elements, and if you put flux on it, the flux actually will soak into the part. Yeah. And we could see that. We saw uh, flux ingress into the sensor, and you look at that, it's just like, oh boy, that thing's done. Yeah, that thing's toast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just, you know, misery pretty much. And I'm really thankful for Macrofab here to not just kick us to the curb. Because, you know, we were kind of a losing money venture at this point with mm. how much time they wasted just, you know, trying to fix these sensors. And, you know, that's that's the testimony. My testimony to this company is you, know, you well, guys stayed with it. I wouldn't say it was time wasted. Um, well, you guys learned a lot. But I mean, still, a big company, I can't imagine they would have spent this much time debugging this this problem this far for no extra additional pay. Uh, Steve and I are over there. He did most of it. <laughs> so cheers, Steven. Cheers. Woo! OpenMV works. Ah. That said, don't abuse Macrofab. <laughs> <laughs> don't send them broken designs and expect them to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> we were our, a special our broken case. design Kickstarter go up 100% after this podcast. <laughs> well, we were a special case because we were early adopters of Macrofab, one of the first customers. <laughs> they gave us a good deal. But uh, <laughs> today we're actually still running, not still, I mean, we're, we're in continual... Uh, running mode with OpenMV, and we're having fantastic success with it. Oh, yeah, no, they, the cameras are flowing out freely and no problems. Yeah. Shipping's a little bit of an issue, but that's uh, been corrected. Yep. To, to anyone who hasn't worked in manufacturing, welcome. This is manufacturing. <laughs> this is manufacturing in volume. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, what was the uh, shipping issues? It was the bent pins, right? Yeah, the bent pins. So, like, um, yeah, it looked like. like yeah, USPS, they just they have a guy whose specialty is drop kicking stuff and so he's <laughs> he's in charge of just, you know, jumping on top of everything that they ship. That's his but, job. But he picks like one out of every ten packages. He, yeah, just, he, demolishes just, he, just, he just demolishes that. He takes the the package and suplexes it. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's dressed up like um, uh, Randy Savage. Yeah. He's just like, oh yeah. And he yeah. Just slams the no, package. but I mean if if he happened to pick your package, we're sorry. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll put more foam. We'll put everything in boxes now. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I'm I'm glad things are running well now. Yeah, me too. Ah, uh, so I, is, is there anything else you want to cover for Open Envy? No, I think we're good here. I mean, this is a casual conversation about. It. I think I got all my points out. Cool. Great. Buy one. <laughs> buy one, buy one today, as seen on the MacFab Engineering Podcast. Real, real quick, <laughs> or how much about. does an Open MV cost? Seventy dollars. Seventy bucks. There you go. Awesome. Oh, and uh, where can you get it? Where can you get it? So we have a website online where you can buy it now, or we actually have them in shop at a Robo Shop. Please buy them out now, so they do a reorder from us for a lot more. And what's the website? <laughs> um, w well, no www, just uh, OpenMV.io. Great. There we go. Dot io. Yeah, we got that io identifier, right? We're cool. Yeah, that's the that's the. Uh, I gotta go buy that's one. That's the They're trendy cool. TLD right now. Yeah, well, also someone owned the dot com, so it was ah. like. Who owns OpenMV.com? I forget. It, it was something not related to computer vision at all. Huh. Cool. It's it's great now because when you type OpenMV, our website shows up all Google search results. So it's. Huh. SEO optimization. <laughs> <laughs> you got good SEO. Maybe. Maybe. Well, it's good enough that you, you surpass the .com at least. Yeah. All right, so we'll go into the RFO. Rapid Fire Opinion. Cool. Um, so it came out this week. So this is actually a hack that's been around for a while, but this is something a little bit newer. 
Um, it's a key sniffer that uh, basically can hack cheap wireless keyboards. Basically wireless keyboards that have very light encryption. Um, basically how it works is uh, your, your keyboard dongle that you plug into your, your computer always broadcasts like, hey, is the keyboard there? Hey, is the keyboard there? And it has all the authentication data in it. So all you have to do is just grab the packet and just, you know, crunch on it a bit. And then, bam, you got the uh, keys to the castle, so to speak. I'm sure these are on the really cheap side of things. Uh, you actually, from what I've read, you have to get up into like the hundred plus dollar range keyboards to actually get encryption on that. But I data mean, stream. it's not a feature that they advertise. So no, why would they protect yeah. themselves from it? I mean, yeah, it, it's not like you go when you go to Best Buy, you don't see a keyboard that says it wireless encrypted. <laughs> Hackproof, 128-bit encryption. Yeah, that's actually they use 128-bit uh, AES. That's insane. Encryption. Just think about that from a computing standpoint. It's like well, a keyboard started out as it's a it's a matrix of wires connected. Yep. And nowadays we have a processor on there that's encrypting the data as it transfers. It's it's like your keyboard could be your computer of yesteryear. <laughs> it's yeah yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they're using this to basically hack your mm -hmm. wireless dongle, and they can get your passwords. Mm-hmm. But you gotta be uh, the, the the throw distance on a wireless keyboard. Two hundred and fifty feet. No. Yeah. That far? Yep. Not the crappy one I bought from Walmart. Well, I guarantee no, well, you. Well, the it's thing not is, with your 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 dongle's got to do two way. Yeah. Um, trans, trans uh, two way talking. Yeah. This only requires one way. Uh, so you only have to snag the one way. So oh you well, see, I bought a Microsoft um, ergonomic keyboard, the wireless one, and that one has a range of probably six inches. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's safe. wrong with it. It was Microsoft's highest end keyboard, but I swear to God, you have to put the transmitter right next to the keyboard. Yep. Otherwise, it drops keystrokes. So I'm safe. And so <laughs> this, is, this is one of those like the thief is like six inches away. I'm stealing your stuff. <laughs> it's like you come into like. You like you come into work and there's a guy in the corner. It's like one of those like um, stock image arts of what a hacker is with like the black ski mask on, like typing on the keyboard. <laughs> and he's like sitting in the corner. He's like, he can't see me. <laughs> but so we should go back to wired keyboards, right? Yeah, that's actually what they did on Battlestar Galactica is is to prevent the Cylons from hacking them. All their communications are are, are hardwired. Well, even though, Wait, are you talking about the original Battlestar or the new the one? Original and the new one. Really? Yeah. No, but see, that's not even secure then because if there's a high enough frequency on the keyboard, you can actually turn that wire into an antenna. Yes. I've heard that the FBI, or maybe the CIA, I don't know, but I've heard that it's been possible to actually see what computer screens, the old VGA ones, are actually broadcasting. And for if you had a van and you could have the equipment to pick it up, you could just see people's computer screens. Yeah, that's actually true. And um, actually, the old PS2 style keyboards, you could do the same thing. That that PS2 cable would that serial connection it's would about actually 20 broadcast. Hertz. I, I wrote a software driver for that, and it's actually about 20 kilohertz. Yeah. Carrier, so something can escape. There's a right antenna length of the. But I mean, it's, it's it's not intended to be an antenna, and I, it's got to have such a weak. Field. No, they're saying like um, I have to find the article again about that about like seeing VGA and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's got like fifty feet of what you can pick up. Wow, 
Yeah, so. well, it's, you know, it depends because it's like a 5-volt connection. It's switching on at maximum power. Yep. You know, older electronics, they just drove everything into them. It's not really <laughs> low power at all. It's not low voltage differential signaling. The, the cable isn't necessarily shielded. You know, it's a perfect antenna pretty much. Yep. And it's Yeah, like, I, I guess I guess in that case, if if you're pulling enough current. Uh, definitely. I remember plugging into some of these old computers and they had a fan and everything powering up and a power supply. Ever had one of those computers? Like the super old guys with WordStar on it? Or like it was one unit in one it had a fan and a power supply and a screen and everything all in one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it weighed like a ton. Yeah. Yeah. Those things. I can totally imagine those guys just sending keystrokes everywhere. <laughs> and just leaking them. But they were also saying, I think it was something about the uh, chassis ground was actually what it radiates off of. Mm hmm. Makes sense. Yep. Interesting. Um, I have to find that article and I'll put it in the blog post. But yeah, um, yeah, go back to wired. It's a little bit safer. I will. I, I bought a. I bought a, a hundred dollar gaming, uh, keyboard, that's wired the other to week. To do so EDA I should tools be good. work, right? Huh? Hundred dollar keyboard to do EDA tool work, right? I, I have to admit, I like the <laughs> clicky sound of mechanical keyboard, so I spent the money just to get the mechanical clicky sound. I got a sound. G15 if you want it. Oh no shoot! Where it's were really you two weeks ago though. when I dropped dropped a hundred bucks on a keyboard? <laughs> I bought this. I bought this G15 a, a long time ago, though. It's it's nasty now. It's got to be like deep cleaned of alcohol before it'll be acceptable. Yeah. But like, it's got the LCD screen inside. Of oh it, yeah, that's like, micro that, keys. Oh man, everything. I forgot about that keyboard. It was but, hardcore. You know, you know, it's it's like you really have to play a lot of games though to use it, and I don't. You know, I don't was, play that many games anymore. It was funny that keyboard. When it first came out, was actually banned in a lot of uh, banned. It was so good, it got banned. No, it got banned because <laughs> the macro function. Oh, because that was because awesome. the keyboard actually did the macro function. It wasn't on your computer. Yeah, and so games couldn't, couldn't detect yeah. those macros. And so, in a lot of like professional, like Counter Strike and that kind of stuff area, they actually banned that keyboard well, from being I, used. I actually got it specifically. Um, there was a game called Guild Wars back in a. Uh, 2000s or so and so in this game uh, the monk was one of the most interesting characters to play you had to target people and heal them and whatnot and um, Macros you just uh, map them to heal spell target person and it made it very easy to uh, be a quick player and to actually win battles and not die a lot so It's perfect keyboard for me, but stop playing the game. Stop using the keyboard. Yeah, (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) All right, so the next RFO we have is it came out this week that Facebook has a hardware division, and I love the name, Area 404. Mm. <laughs> That's um, awesome. And this is not like, I was like, oh, cool, they probably have, like, you know, a room with some, like, hardware engineers, and they, like, goof off and build gadgets. No, this is like a full-on manufacturing floor. <laughs> yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, the machines they have is insane. Yeah. Um, cause, and what I didn't know is apparently Facebook is working on like drone technology, um, uh, internet beaming lasers, VR headsets, because they bought Oculus. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually are developing their own next generation servers. Mm-hmm. You have to have a pretty hefty floor to do all of that. All of that. Any one of those by itself is a pretty hefty floor. Um, but, and they were getting, they were having problems with basically outsourcing all their manufacturing. And so they just, Built a whole floor that's all manufacturing for hardware prototyping. Cash is not really an issue for them. Nope. Yeah, those machines are amazing and gorgeous. They have like a nine-axis CNC machine. It's pretty crazy stuff. But 
I wonder if this all started from when they did buy out Oculus. Because the Oculus buyout was like, what, two years ago now? Yeah. Something like that. Um, so I wonder if this is what started that. And, I, and that's always wondering, like, what is Facebook going to use with drone technology? Well, they, they aren't they building the uh, internet drones so that they can uh, beam internet wirelessly to people in remote regions? With a drone? Yeah, yeah. They have this giant... They, they had a video about it recently where they had a uh, giant flying... It has the wingspan of an aircraft carrier, and it basically flies around in the sky, and it, uh, I think, a, a wireless a signal is beamed to hotspot? it, and then it beams the wireless signal back down, so it allows you to uh, basically have a, a massive area coverage of wireless internet. Oh, that's cool. And it will stay aloft for uh, weeks in there, or months. That's know, really months. cool. Wow. I yeah, and think... they got to fly. That's the, that's the even better part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The... Um... Because the, the next-gen servers, that makes sense, because they're an internet company, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the VR headset, people were, when that first when they first bought an Oculus, they're like, oh, that doesn't make sense. I'm like, it doesn't make sense. The fact that you could put on VR goggles and then you're in a room with all your friends on Facebook, that makes sense. That you know? sounds really... I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm not sure how you organize all your friends on Facebook to put your pictures on Well, there. you put it on and see pictures of babies and cats. <laughs> and, 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 one and, week the, old, and then you take it off. And then yeah. one week old memes, too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I think it's pretty cool that they're getting into hardware. I always like seeing what, basically, if you can throw lots of money at, at something see what pops out of it no I'm, so, I'm, no vr is a great way to for the technology to go i'm not sure if it's going to be successful still but i mean it's better than all the money that was spent on doing 3d stuff 3d oh, oh god, god 3d tvs <laughs> that's actually one thing i noticed I'm sorry if you bought one <laughs> yeah um what i noticed with vr is um i've actually tried this out with the uh, dolphin emula- emulator which emulates the uh, nintendo wii mm-hmm um, you can actually enable a VR mode, mm-hmm. which puts two cameras into the engine. I don't know what software trickery they'd use, but it actually works pretty well. Um, and then I used Google Cardboard and broadcasted my computer screen over Wi-Fi mm-hmm. into my Android device and used Google Cardboard to, to view it. And it actually, the fact, the, the problem with 3D TVs is you had to sit in the right spot at all times, right? So it kind of sucks. But with VR goggles, you can look wherever. It's kind of the point. Yeah. So this was like a 3D TV that didn't really matter where you looked. So I thought it was pretty cool. Like playing um, uh, third-person games in, that, in, in VR was actually pretty cool. Yeah, the, the thing for me, though, is I, like most of the time I'm doing that kind of stuff, I'm, I'm trying to be sedentary on purpose. So I'm not looking to walk around and yeah. <laughs> um, move my head around, per se. So I'm not sure if it's the target audience. I think Excel VR. something else. You know how, you know how three-dimensional VR. cells. Excel <laughs> VR. Oh, man, that's got to be. Imagine that, though. Spreadsheets in VR. Yeah, spreadsheets where the cells go in three dimensions. No, but you're like, you're like Tom Cruise inside of uh, Minority Report. Yeah, but it's just spreadsheets instead. Just imagine Spread- that's your job. You're just you're just touching buttons in the air and moving things around. It's like the latest version of Office for Excel. When you move the the i the I guess the highlight thing over the cells, it has like an animation now that makes it go whoosh. Ooh. Like makes it, like if you imagine a swoosh noise in your head, that's yeah. what it would do. The Windows swoosh. Yeah, but um, which, by the way, that's a just a garbage addition. Yeah. It's Excel. Don't give me bells and whistles. Give me Excel. 
<laughs> you know what the weirdest thing about Excel? I, for the longest, for some reason, it never supported two windows at the same time. You'd open up two app, two spreadsheets. Yeah. And I put them in the same window. Yeah. And you had to like do this minimizing run around and everything. It was very difficult to use. Anyway, that's a side note. Yeah. But anyway, back to back to Facebook. Back Here to Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else do they have coming out? Um, that's actually the only kind of thing that they hinted to. They hinted to? Um, I'm sure they have some top it, secret it, stuff. Yeah, it, this kind of stuff reminds me of, like, Bell Labs of old, of old. Basically, Bell Labs threw lots and lots of money at engineers, and then stuff popped out. Yeah, but it, it, one of the problems I, I've heard, and I think it's kind of valid, is, you know, these projects are, are not related to Facebook's chief um, money engine and so uh, one of those problems is that they, they're kind of side projects that aren't going to give the love they need yeah like where bill labs they built stuff explicitly related to making you know phones better hey we need a computer because we want to do this computer switching network yeah or he built transistors faster so we can use them instead of switches versus um I, I think the internet drone though does make sense for facebook that's that's something that directly will help them get more users online so I, I think that makes sense. I'm not sure about the other products, though. But I guess, yeah. well, servers, I guess that makes sense, too. Maybe I guess I'm a bit more about Google. That, that's where it's like a well, Google bit, if, not clear how they capitalize on that in search. Yeah, yeah. Google tends to axe projects like um, their uh, RSS uh, reader because they couldn't figure out how to make money off of it, and so they just axed Google Reader. Mm -hmm. And, like... I had some friends who loved that thing. Yeah, and there was, like... 30 other you know programs that were really popular that used that API mm -hmm. and I basically overnight got turned off mm -hmm. <laughs> can you imagine if Google ever thought like hey we're not going to do Gmail anymore flip turn mm. off <laughs> that would, oh gosh does Gmail make money direct do they have ads on it yeah there's ads in it oh okay okay yeah, yeah but they're but they're, they're traditional Google ads so they're very minimal yeah, oh, okay. it's just like one line at the top of your inbox, and a lot of times it doesn't even pop up. Yeah. No, I, I use Outlook now because I got too many email addresses, so I got to merge all that into one yeah. interface. I'm an I'm a adult. <laughs> You've grown up. Outlook. <laughs> Excel and Outlook, baby, for the for the next 35 years. Yep. I guess I use in the grave. I guess I still use Thunderbird, so I'm on the fringe. I use that at work. You're not an adult yet. I'm not an adult yet. <laughs> Thunderbird has a little bit of an issue though with loading up. Uh, email addresses for some reason. It takes yeah, like a few sometimes. seconds before it to load your database. Yeah. I like it because it's just not Outlook. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason. Hey, it's why. free. It's free too. Freemium. Mm. Uh, is that all we're going to talk about Facebook? Except uh, the fact that it's not about, you know, people our age anymore. It's all about, uh, you know, our parents and their cat photos and... <laughs> Oh, uh, what? What do you mean? The Facebook user age is kind yeah. of shifting? To yeah, to way north. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. It shifted a long time ago. Yep. Well, you know, I, I, I still browse Facebook crack every day. I need to get off of it, though. It's, it wastes so much time. <laughs> well, if Google Plus wasn't such a failure. <laughs> I don't know anyone who ever even used it once. I did some hangouts, and they're like, they, they, they post their pictures of my hangouts, and it. it's like, please use me. Yeah, please use, <laughs> please use me. <laughs> like, like they merge all their traffic from every application into one interface so they so you can feel like you've been using it, but not really. Yeah. Um, I actually use, my favorite is uh, Google Chat. Google Chat. That's, that's integrated into Gmail, mm -hmm. and it, it 
The best thing about Google Chat is it also hooks into the Hangout feature. And so you can go from the Google Chat directly to a Hangout with everyone in it. And because the great thing about Google Chat is um, it works on your phone and on your computer. And so you can, you know, if, if you have to talk something, you know, type something pretty long winded, you just go on your computer and you have a keyboard now mm -hmm. instead of having to type it on a touch screen. Mm -hmm. It's really stripped down and simple. And I think that's what's good about it. Yeah, there's there's very few bells and whistles. Well, I think that's gonna be it, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, um, this is Quabin Ajman with Macrofab. Thank you for listening. We were your hosts, Stephen Craig and Parker Doman. <laughs> <laughs> Take it easy, guys. Later, guys. Bye bye.